0: Ephesians 3 verse 14 and it's called a prayer for the Ephesians that's the head in my Bible for this reason I kneel before the father from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Uh, we began last week by uh, with Movement One, which was about uh, looking higher and uh, we were thinking about uh, you know, do we worship a miniature God? Have we, have, have we put God in our pocket, like Chris was saying? Have, we, have we miniaturized God so that is, he's, he's a more comfortable God for us to cope with? And, uh, we were thinking about, you know, do we need to regain something of our sense of wonder when it comes to God? Do we need to allow God to continue to amaze us and, uh, and, and be in awe of Him? And, uh, and then we thought about, you know, do we need to remind ourselves that with God there is always Immeasurably more. Uh, we limit God in so many ways because of what we think about God. And so this week we're thinking about uh, movement two. We're moving on to the this idea of uh, of closer, of closer. And just at the beginning of the, of the service, I just want to ask you not to not to, to speak to anybody else, but just to think uh, where you are at this moment in your relationship. And, uh, you know, on, on a spectrum of, 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 of 1 to 10, with, uh, with, with, with 1 being about as far away from God as you can get and 10 being, being so close you can almost touch him, I wonder where you would put yourself on that scale. Where would you put yourself on that scale? Are you, are you a 10 so close to God that you experience his presence every moment? Or are you a 1, you feel that God is distant, that God is far away uh, that God has abandoned you. Well, this morning we're going to be thinking about uh, how we can get closer to God. Uh, during this series, I've been asking for people to share uh, testimonies about God because we want to hear about different people's experience. We were talking last week about the fact, you know, people experience God in different ways and sometimes we do box God in and say, this is how you experience God. And we want to encourage people to share their experience of God. And uh, Bob has came running up to me. And uh, was was keen to to share something about his experience of God, which I, which is fantastic. And I said, "He's got three minutes." Okay, Bob. So this is your three minutes to uh, to share something about your experience of God. Bob's got loads to share, and do come and talk to him afterwards. But uh, I've I've tried to limit him to three minutes. Bless you. <laughs> I was when people get a whole pack of paper out that's longer than my sermon. Yeah.
1: <laughs> It's Go for a, it, Bob. It's not a, a toilet roll. On. Go ahead. Yeah. Go, yeah. Oh, thank you. He's going to hit me on the back of the head when three minutes <laughs> is up. Um, it's, uh, it started, for me, 45 years ago, but this is not going to take that long. Um, so you might remember the 60s, the end of the 60s for me in 1969. I was uh, wrecked. Just put it like that. It was, uh, you know, the whole story but I wasn't, I wasn't taking drugs. Well, not drugs that you'd, you'd know. Uh, you might know it, I don't know. But I, I was an alcoholic. Alcohol was my drug of choice. Now, is very powerful. You might not think it is, but it's the equivalent of cocaine and heroin. Just because it's in a nice bottle doesn't mean it ain't dangerous. It is. Um, so the first guy in my story was George Ward, he took me to Alcoholics Anonymous and I got three that's 45 years ago I haven't had a drink since that's the start of the story so having become unemployable, I became employable, how am I doing, I became employable, (laughs) I got loads of work I I travelled all over the place, all over the world working and and. I was in Jordan, we were building a fertilizer plant and this this little guy was a pain, he was a Hindu but he said he'd become a Christian and I thought, it's a joke isn't it so he kept saying to me every day I'm praying for you sir, he called me sir I said don't call me sir, my name's Bob you are sir, so he says, I'm praying for you every day and I said, well listen, don't pray for me we've got a £30 million contract here we're trying to deliver it, get on with the job you know, so that was it that was what I was like Um, but he stuck with me he's still with me, I'm still talking about him Um, and I thought that little guy just stuck in my brain anyway, I came home um, and on the mat was an invitation to an art show so I went to the art show And I met another friend of mine, Leslie Treacher. He's from the Faroe Islands. And uh, he said, I know you paint a bit. I've seen your work. Bring some of it and put it in my studio, in my gallery. So I did that. Well, we sold a few. But more important, you see, you can't escape the love of God. He's there in that little Indian man. He was there in Leslie Treacher. He said, Bob, I'm a Christian. He said... This is a Christian gallery. It's called The Mustard Seed. Where I got sober was called Hope Street. The Fisherman's Mission. Fantastic. All these names popping in my head. And um, I thought, how wonderful. Well, to cut a long story short, Leslie Treacher and his wife brought me to Jesus in the front room of their bungalow. It was fantastic. I, I couldn't get out the car. I just could not get out of the car for that prayer meeting. I tried three times to get out of the car and I thought, Satan's stopping me here. But I got out and I got in and and, uh, I came to know the Lord. Well, um, a couple of years later, I came to Rossendale to visit some people I knew and um, then I gave up my travels. I gave up the love of money because it, it just failed me. I bought houses, cars, the whole thing. I earned tons of money, but... It was all nothing. It was like dust in my mouth. And I thought, this is a waste of time. There must be something else in life besides this. Everybody needs a house. Everybody needs a car. But you don't have to go bar me, do you? And um, I came here. Uh, I met my wife. I went to K Street Church. John John Pryor baptized me. Um, And I met Pat in Zion Baptist Church. I walked in there by mistake. I was on my way to Zion. And I, well, I walked into... Uh, I was on my way to K Street, but I walked into Zion. And there was my lovely wife, Pat. She wasn't my wife yet, but eventually she was. And she still is. So um, I love the arts, you see. I love Jesus. I love everything about it. I worked I work a lot in uh, with drug addicts and um, people who have problems with the art, like, you know, I work to use my art that way. Uh, I don't do it so much now. They took me out of my studio, said it was too dangerous for me. <laughs> it was falling down, and, and it, was, uh, it, was, it was bad news for my health. So that's nearly the, nearly the end of my story. I've been um, sober now for 45 years, and I'm still actively seeking Jesus. I am. You see... I think through prayer and meditation you can find the Lord. I pray and we wait and we meditate and we listen for that small little voice because it's quiet. You have to listen for it. Well, I do anyway because I'm partly deaf. Uh, And uh, you have to listen for him talking to you and telling you. So my message, not my message, Jesus' message, put your trust in the Lord. He's the only saviour. He can save you. He's real. Would I put my trust in the world again? Not a chance. We all live in it. But alone, without Jesus, it's a lonely place. I need my father in heaven, just like a little child needs their parents. And you run after him. I need him. I need to keep him in my eye, in my sight on Jesus. Because if I don't, I'll be lost again easy because I'm easily distracted. I'm easily taken away from it. So I must keep focused, totally focused. And um, so we pray all the time in our house. Pray for everything. I've been praying. Pray for my wife who's been sick. Uh, We pray for all our health issues. We pray for our grandchildren, the ones who've just started school. Harriet's who's away in Austria at university and we pray, pray for them that they'll stay straight and keep their eye on Jesus because that's what it's about for me. Because the Lord knows that we need uh, money. He knows we need our church. He knows we need a house to live in. He knows we need transport. He knows we need food. He knows a lot. So, He knows it all. So trust Him and He'll give it you. So, one day at a time, I'm keeping my eye on Jesus. That's it. That's what I'm doing. Let go and let God. I learnt that 45 years ago. Let go and let God. Let go of of all the things that you think is important and let God. He'll take you on a journey where you've never been before. And I'm still on it. I hope. One day, at a time, and it will only end, and it won't end, it'll just begin, when I stand in front of... Amen. Right. You 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 Very Thank you. Yeah.
0: Thanks Bob and uh, we do want to encourage people to share testimony. So if you've got a testimony, uh, do let me know and we'll try and uh, include that in a in a future service. So we uh, want to think about movement to it's about getting closer to God. And uh, First thing I want to talk about is a close encounter of a religious kind. Bob's just shared about his uh, encounter of God. And uh, a close encounter of a religious kind. Paul says, you know, for this reason I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with the power through his spirit, your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Because because God does want to come close to us, so close that he actually wants to dwell within each and every one of our hearts. And you can't get much closer than that. Uh, John Ottberg, in his book, God is Closer Than You Think, he says the central promise in the Bible is, is not I will forgive you, although, of course, that promise is there. It's not the promise of life after death, although we're offered that as well. The most frequent promise in the Bible is I Will be with you. The most frequent promise in the Bible is that I will be with you. We can have a close encounter of God because God actually wants to be with us. Uh, God chooses uh, for us, He wants to be with us in every situation that we face. We saw with the children that there is no place that we can go, there's no situation that we can face that God isn't with us but it doesn't always feel like that does it It doesn't in the reality is uh, we don't always experience that closeness uh, some of us are a two a three maybe even a one in terms of where we feel that God is Chris Rogers says this the world religion or religious today tends to have a negative connotation I've lost count of the number of people who say to me I'm not religious Religion consists of all the activities and rituals we have devised to get ourselves closer to God. The danger with religion is the idea that God is somewhere else. And if we try hard enough, e.g. pray enough, read the Bible enough, attend church enough, through these activities we will get closer to God. In other words, what Chris is, is saying you know, is that church can either be a religious activity or a relationship activity. We can go through the rituals of of, of religion. None of these things are bad. Obviously, we want to encourage people to read the Bible. We want to encourage people to pray. We want to encourage people to attend church. We're not saying that these things are are bad. What we're saying that in and of themselves, if it doesn't deepen our relationship with God, if if through these things, we're not experiencing the living God in our lives, they do just become meaningless rituals. Lots of people say to me, you know, I'm not uh, religious. I get that said to me a lot of times, especially when people find out I'm a Baptist minister. Or maybe I'm, I'm visiting somebody, and am going to be conducting a funeral for them, and, and before I've walked in through the door, they can't, they can't wait to tell me that they're not religious. Yes. And I kind of smile and think, well, that's interesting because you've asked a, a religious man uh, to come and to, to come and do this service for you. So uh, maybe you're more religious than you uh, you actually want to admit. And sometimes I say, well, I'm not religious either. Uh, which really throws them because they think I am Mr. Religion because I'm a Baptist minister and although I'm not wearing the dog collar and the cloaks and everything else, they still see you as a religious person. And people have this idea about religion and sadly they think religion is not a good thing. In fact, some people think it's even a bad thing. And of course the atheists have a field day, don't they, in telling us that all the problems in the world are actually caused by religions falling out with each other and fighting with each other. And sadly there is some truth in that and we can't deny it. And so... Religion can be uh, a dangerous thing. Paul, of course, was a very religious man before he had his close encounter with Jesus. He was a hugely religious person. He says says himself, circumcised on the eighth day of, of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews in regard to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for legalistic righteousness, faultless." But whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. If our religion doesn't bring us into a deeper and greater and closer knowledge of Jesus Christ, then we really are wasting our time. A close encounter of a religious kind. Really needs to be a close encounter of the relationship kind. We're about building a relationship with Jesus. We're not about just going through some uh, rituals, some religious rituals, uh, that if we do enough, it will bring us closer to God. And there is that idea uh, that's kind of embedded in each one of us that we have to work at our, our relationship with Jesus. And of course, that's true. We do have to work at it. But again, If we're not careful, we we get the idea that we uh, need to do what we need to do in order to get us closer to God. Whereas the Bible seems to be telling us that actually God is so close to us, all we have to do is open our eyes. All we have to do is is, is look up. All we have to do is find God. And uh, sometimes we need to look at those clues that God has given us. And so secondly, I want to talk about the fact that in in God, uh, in Jesus, God came close up and personal. Jesus, up close and personal. Because God never came closer than when he actually came to earth in Jesus. Beyond religion into an authentic relationship with Jesus is where we want to be. We want to go beyond our religion into this authentic relationship with Jesus Christ. For this reason I kneel before the Father, Paul says, from whom every family in heaven on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with the power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts. Christ wants to actually take up residence in your hearts. That's how close God wants to be to you. He wants to actually live in you, He wants to dwell in you. That's how close God wants to get. The Bible talks about lots of of images about our relationship with God, but there's one image of of adoption that Paul talks about in in Romans 8 15 and uh, and, and 23. You can look it up, up later. And uh, he talks about uh, he talks about being being sons and and daughters, and about uh, being adopted. And uh, adoption makes it clear that we are members of God's family. We are adopted into this family that we belong. Adoption uh, transcends all barriers of race of of a religion. It goes beyond that, and of course. Adoption implies a new identity. We, we, we take on a new identity in Jesus Christ. And each and every one of us is adopted and are part of this family of God. In, in Proverbs, it talks about one who is closer than a brother. One who is closer than a brother. Jesus up close and personal. Jesus, up close and personal. And then, thirdly and finally, I want to remind us that God is actually closer than we think. God is closer than we think or imagine. Because, you see, what we think and imagine about God actually affects how we relate to God. If we think of God as being Somewhere up there, somewhere out there, some place other than where we are. God being far away. If if we think like that, if that's if if that's what we think about God, if that's what we feel about God, then that's how we are going to relate to God, to a God who is who is distant. Now, don't get me wrong. I've been through times when it feels like God is distant. But I, I just wonder: is is that distance? Created by me or created by God? Is it me that that, that actually has uh, control about how far or how near God is? Is it actually dependent on, on my movement rather than God's movement? Because if scripture is true, if there's no place that we can go where God isn't, then it would seem to me that God is here. And part of our job is to recognise that. And as I say, don't get me wrong, sometimes it's terribly hard to recognise God in particularly difficult situations. You think, where is God in this? We've all said that, we've all experienced that. But scripture seems to imply that God is ever-present, that there isn't a place that we can go that God is not there. The story of the Bible, uh, John Altberg, again from God is Close Thing, the story of the Bible isn't primarily about the desire of people to be with God. It's the desire of God to be with people. God desires to be with us. Think right back to the beginning of the Bible, the first book in Genesis, and it talks about God being with Adam and Eve and walking with them. Who creates the distance? Who hides away? Is it God that hides or is it Adam and Eve? It's Adam and Eve that hide away from God because they've entered into sin and they know that they've done something wrong and they're frightened of the consequences and so they hide away from God and it's God that's saying, you know, where are you? Where are you? Of course God knows exactly where they are. He can see them hiding and, you know, sometimes we do that, don't we? We, we hide away from God and in our imagination, we actually imagine there's a place we can go that God can't find us. Those of you that had little children, how many of them, you know, when they've done something wrong, they hide, don't they? They hide under the under the bed, under the, the place, and they think that, you know, maybe if I hide here, my parents won't find me, and they won't find out what I've done, and I won't get into trouble. Uh, that's how how children uh, work and, and, and function. But let's not kid ourselves, that's how sometimes we function and work when it comes to our relationship with God. We think that we can get away from God. We think there's a place that we can go that God won't see us. And of course there isn't. The Bible tells us that God is everywhere. And sometimes that is frightening because we don't. the truth is we don't want God to be everywhere. We don't want God to see everything that we do because not everything that we do, God would approve of. And so we do hide away from God. And we sometimes are responsible for creating that distance without realising what it is we're actually doing. God is closer than we think. God is closer than we think or imagine. And he's able to do immeasurably more. At the beginning of Matthew's gospel, of course, we read in that so familiar story of Christmas that the angel appears and talks about Jesus and says he will be called Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Jesus is God with us. God actually came you know, if you want to use that image, came down from heaven to be with us and to dwell amongst us. Incarnation is just that, that theological word to talk about the fact that God takes on flesh and blood and actually lives, I think it's in the message, it talks about moving into our neighbourhood, the way that he, he translates that verse. The incarnation is messy, says Chris Rogers, God is not some distant deity. He breaks into the world, into the midst of the mess of Christmas and God still wants to break into our mess or the mess that we make of this world. God still wants to break in and the question is, will we allow him to? Will we recognise his presence? Will we open our eyes? Will we, as we sang in that lovely song after all the na-na-na-na-na-na's, will we see his face in every place? Well, we see his face in every person? When we see those refugees walking across Europe, do we see the face of God amongst them? God is closer than you think. The incarnation is a reminder to us that God does not want to love us from a distance. He's not a father who's abandoned the home. He doesn't leave us as orphans. He wants to be with us. His desire is to be with his people. God is closer than you could think or imagine. Joni erikson Tara, who, who knows something about suffering, says, heartache forces us to embrace God out of our desperate, urgent need. God is, God is never closer than when your heart is aching. God is never closer than when your heart is aching. You know, so if your heart's aching this morning, uh, know that God is present with you. That God seems to be mysteriously present in suffering and in despair. That that is actually where we discover God. God is closer than you think. Uh, I'm sure you're familiar uh, with that story that Jesus told in, in Luke's Gospel of the prodigal son. But really the prodigal son is a a mirror, is an image of our own story, isn't it? Because if you think of the story of the prodigal son, it's the prodigal son that moves away from the father and chooses to go his own way. And it's the father that continually looks out and longs for the son to come back. He never gives up on the son, but he allows him to move further away from, from the home. And he looks out for the son and he longs for the son. And as soon as he sees the son returning, he rushes out to meet him. And he can't wait to embrace him and welcome him back into the home. A wonderful picture that Jesus told to give us a picture of what God is like. You know, we were thinking last week about, you know, how... It's, God is so big and, and massive that we, we 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 struggle to to imagine what He's like, and, and Jesus gives us pictures that we can we can cope with. This is what God like. He's like a father who looks out for the son to return. He's like a father that forgives and embraces the son as soon as he he, he makes one movement in his direction. And maybe this morning, you know, think back to that little graph. You know, when I asked, are you, are you at a ten or are you at one or somewhere in between? Maybe we can actually move ourselves closer to God, or maybe we've, without knowing it, we've actually moved away from God. It's, it's us that's moved away. We've stopped reading the Bible. We've stopped praying. We've we've stopped really entering into the worship of God. You know, you can be in a you can be in a place and not really be present and not really engage. You ever been in a meeting where, where somebody's obviously not, not kind of, uh, not kind of engaging with the meeting and sometimes we even say, are, are you with us? Are you with us? We try and bring them back in, don't we? Are you actually with us? Because the truth is, this somewhere else. And you know, we can be in church and, and amongst the people of God and, and who are worshipping and we can be somewhere else. We can be not present. We need to pay attention. You know when you're talking to somebody whether somebody's paying attention or whether they're actually looking at you or whether they're looking somewhere else and they're not really with you. We've all had that experience, haven't we, where we've even been talking to somebody and they're not really listening to us because they're not really present with us in that moment. We need to recognise the moment because God is here. God is present with us and so often we miss it. Because we're somewhere else. And in our minds, we imagine that it's God that's, that's moved and God's somewhere else. And we say, you know, oh, God's not with us. I feel distant. And we, we talk about it as if, as if God has moved when actually it's us that have moved away. We stop coming to church. How often when things go wrong in our lives, the first thing we do is we stop meeting with God's people at the very moment when we desperately need God's people around us. God is closer than you think. John Ottenberg says, the greatest moment in your life is now. You didn't realize that, did you? He says, not because it's pleasant or happy or easy, but because this is the only moment you've got. Every past moment is irretrievably gone. It's never coming back. If you live there, you lose your life. The future is always out there somewhere. You could spend eternity waiting for tomorrow or worrying about it if you live there. You'll likewise lose your life. This moment is God's irreplaceable gift to you. Most of all, this is the moment that matters because this moment is where God is. Right here, right now, God is with us. God is closer than we could think or imagine. And so... Don't lose heart if you're you on a one or a two in your relationship with God. Be encouraged by the fact that the Bible tells us, not just once, not just twice, but time and time again, that actually God's desire is to be with us. He wants to be with us. He chooses his people. He wants to be in relationship with us. And like that picture that Jesus gives of the prodigal son, he longs for us to move in his direction. He longs for us to make, take those steps, to move towards him. He doesn't move. He is ever-present. And we move in close and then we move further away. We move in and we move out. We're present sometimes and other times we're somewhere else. And God knows us, he knows us. But he wants to be closer. And if nothing else, remember that God This morning is closer than you could think or imagine because he's with you and he wants to live in you.